Uh, my name's Tim. I serve here as a teaching pastor. We're in a teaching series right now called Praxis. Uh, Praxis uh, is this, uh, it's an, a, word, a noun that means um, to embody or an act or realize an idea. And we're looking at the book of Acts. And what does it look like to put uh, the, the, what Jesus accomplished to, to live it out here and now uh, in Bellingham in the 21st century? Um, and uh, we're going to... Today, the text we're going to be in, in the book of Acts, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. We're going to be in Acts 2, 42 through 47. So uh, I want to invite you to open up your Bibles now. Uh, Acts is after the book of John. It's before the book of Romans. Acts 2, 42 through 47. Let me me say a prayer for us, and then we'll we'll jump into uh, our scripture for the day. Father, we, uh, we do believe you are the living God and um, that you desire to speak to us. And so by your spirit, we know you're present. Um, give us ears to hear your voice this morning. Speak through this text that you inspired, that you preserved, um, so that you could you encounter us today. So we open our hearts to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week we talked about how uh, uh, Jesus, um, he uh, died, was resurrected, he went to the center of reality, to heaven, and then Peter, one of his close friends, gave this speech at this uh, festival in Jerusalem where there are all these pilgrims there, and some 3,000 of them decide to start trusting, they trust Jesus as a rescuer, and they begin following him as king. And then we read here in Acts 2, 42 through 47, the shape that their community, the, the, the tenor the way that our community live together. And listen to how they live together. Um, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Um, this morning I want to challenge you to actively engage with the teaching by note-taking. Some of you are going to be linear note-takers. You're point one, point two, point three, point four. So, um, some of you would never do that, and that's okay. Some of you will be, um, I know some people when they, they kind of, they engage with the Sunday morning sermon, the teaching, they journal or they write prayers. You can do that. I know some people, Jen, is Jenny, no, Jenny's not here today. Some people do art during the Sunday morning teaching. Uh, you can do art. Some people, Carol does poetry. Is Carol, I don't see Carol. She does poetry, and Jenny does her art, and Carol does her poetry. They actually have a blog every week. You can go to from tree to tree.blogspot.com, and they have their art and poetry responding to our Sunday morning teachings on there. And you can also get to it through our Facebook page. But, it's, uh, but the idea this morning, I want to invite you to, to actively engage uh, with the teaching and not simply passively receive. But let's, let's be people who actively engage. Um, as we read in the text, uh, so we, as we're in the text, uh, uh, these pe- the, the, this Jesus movement takes off. These people begin trusting Jesus, following him as king, believing in him as rescuer, and his presence by his spirit is with them. And his spirit begins creating new devotions or new attachments or new motivations or new desires within this people. They have these new devotions. 
And uh, it says they're devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship or the brotherhood or the sisterhood, to the fellowship and to uh, the breaking of bread and to prayers. And I want to talk a little about this idea of devotion. The word devotion is proskartherontes. Proskartherontes. Proskartherontes, it means to, to uh, pay continual attention to. To be, uh, to be consistently focused on. And it's, there's an ongoing aspect to it. Uh, later on in Acts, Acts 10, 7, uh, it refers to a soldier's attention to his commander. Paying consistent attention to this ongoing attention. One of our, uh, one of our, our girls, uh, when she was born, she, uh, I was so excited uh, to uh, have this daughter and just, I wanted to play with her and hold her and tickle her and talk to her. And I would go and I, and I just grab her and wrap her up in my arms and I'd start and, uh, and without fail for the first year of her life, I'd pick her up and she would just scream in my face. And, <laughs> and this, one of our daughters, the, the, uh, the, there was only one thing in the world she wanted. She didn't want daddy, she didn't want her bouncy seat, she didn't want her swing, she didn't want her jumper. She wanted her mama. That was it. And so for an entire year, Christy physically held her every waking hour. Just They were attached continuously to one another. And you'd set her down, try and distract. No, she didn't want anything to do with it. For this year, she was she was devoted to her mom. She was continually attend. Her focus, her attention, her attachment, her commitment was always in the same place. Devotion. When Jesus' presence, when his spirit invades a group of people, he creates new motivations, new devotions, new attachments. And the, the, what we see in Acts 2.42 is these devotions to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. And this morning, uh, I want to focus specifically on the idea of what does it mean to be devoted, attached, focused on the apostles' teaching. We're going to just run through some questions together to try and unpack what does it mean to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. So, uh, just to kind of, some basic explanation. Who were the apostles? Question number one, who were the apostles? The apostles uh, were the official messengers of the story of Jesus. The apostles, these are the guys who would bend with Jesus during his life, his teachings, his miracles, his death and resurrection. And then after Jesus was raised, he officially commissioned them. He he said, you are going to be my official witnesses, to be my official messengers throughout the world. So they're, they're official messengers of the story of Jesus, sent by Jesus himself. So if that's who the apostles were, who were they teaching? Who were they talking to? They were talking to the Jesus community. The Jesus community, including those, the, the 120 who had been with Jesus from way back, and then 3,000 new people who had just joined the Jesus movement, these pilgrims from all over the world who had come to Jerusalem. They heard about the Jesus story. They joined the Jesus movement. And, uh, and I love it. As I am a learner, that is just part of my wiring. I'm a learner. And I love it that the Jesus movement takes off. And what's the first thing the Spirit does? Sets up a school. Gets a bunch of, and they creates a group of people devoted to the apostles' teaching. The Spirit sets up a school. Starts rewiring their minds. The life of the Spirit is not opposed to the life of the mind. In the very beginning, the Spirit sets up a school. 
So you have these followers of Jesus listening to the, uh, the official messenger of Jesus. And so what, uh, if that's who they're teaching, what were they teaching? What was the content of the apostles' teaching? And you look, if you look at, uh, you look at the speeches in the book of Acts, you see that the content, it's, the, it's all centers around the story of Jesus. His life, his teachings, uh, the mighty deeds that he did, his death, his resurrection, and his going to the center of reality, his ascension into heaven. It all centers around the story of Jesus. So the apostles taught the story of Jesus. They passed on the teachings of Jesus. The, all of this, the assumed background, was the story of Israel. They taught the story of Jesus as the culmination of the story of Israel. And so there's assumed understanding of the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, and the story of Jesus. And then they also talked about how do you, what does this look like to live out in first century Greco-Roman world? And so in many ways, we have the apostles' teaching in our New Testament. The Gospels are the story of Jesus. The letters in the New Testament, how do we practically live this out today? And that New Testament, of course, the assumed background, the assumed context, is the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, the New Testament, as, the story of Jesus as culminating uh, what God was doing in and through Israel in the Old Testament. So that's what they were teaching and it all centered around uh, the story of Jesus himself. So if that's what they were teaching, how, what did this practice, how did they devote themselves to this teaching? I mean, were they doing online modules, or, you know, they all had their app on their phone, or what is, I mean, practically, how did they do this? How did they devote themselves to the teaching? Well, most likely, it was, there was oral teaching by the apostles, it was a communal learning experience. They would have been together. They would have been teaching. And then as a community, there would have been discussion. There would have been debate. They would have been taught, okay, what do we do? How do we question and answer? There would have been all that. A very, that would have been a natural first century Jewish way to enter into teaching like this. So there would have been this communal uh, discussion as well as individual meditation, individual memorization. We know that memorization was part of the learning process for first century Jews. I mean, did you notice? If you read, okay, so right before, we talked about this last week, Peter gives this speech, right? Right before Acts, in the first part of chapter 2 in Acts, Peter gives this big speech talking about the story of Jesus. And one of the things Peter does is he says that um, what is going on in, in uh, Jesus' death and resurrection, the giving of the Spirit, Peter says this has fulfilled what... God said through the prophets in Joel and in the Psalms. Peter, so Peter says, this is fulfilling what God spoke through his prophets. And then Peter does this. Peter says, listen to what Joel said. Hold on. I've got it. I got this, uh, Joel. Let me type it in. I got my phone here. I'll search. Uh, no, I'm going to actually, I'm going to search for a key word. I know it's in here. Joel, uh, everybody just hold on a sec. What does Peter do? He just rattles it off, right? Wait, he didn't have a scroll. I'll get my scroll out. He just, rat he just knows this, this chunk of scripture from the middle of Joel. And just boom, 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 boom. Jesus has fulfilled this. And that same attention to the Hebrew scriptures, they also apply to the teachings that Jesus gave. They meditated on it. They memorized it. They took it into their, the center of themselves. They, they breathed it. So communally, they discuss it. Individually, they meditate and memorize on it. They would breathe this stuff. So that is how they did it. Why did they do it? Why did they pay such attention to this teaching? I think there are several, several reasons. 
One, we've already mentioned that as Jesus' spirit gets into people, he creates new devotions, new attachments, new motivations. Uh, we could talk about why they did it. The part of the reason why they did it is they just, they, they, their, uh, their hearts were moved by Jesus. They loved him. They wanted to worship him. They wanted to hang on every word he said. But I also believe uh, another reason that I, we may not think about all the time is I believe this, that they saw the apostles' teaching as a gift. I believe they saw it as a gift. Because it is the communication of the living God, the speech of God about who He is and what He's up to, who we are and how to live. It's the gift, the speech of God to humankind. I believe they saw it as a gift. See, every person who has ever lived has a teaching that they're devoted to. Everybody has a story, a worldview, a teaching that they're living out of. And so many of the teachings, the story of materialism, of naturalism, of narcissism, so many of the teachings we subscribe to in our world, are, they twist our humanity. They're dysfunctional for our relationships. God gives us the gift of truth about Him, who He is, what He has done in human history, and who we are, and how we can live in what He's doing in the world. I believe they saw it as a gift that they wanted to attend to. So that's why that it was a gift. So if we're going to do this today, what are the challenges? What are the challenges if we are going to uh, if we're going to um, be ourselves devoted to the apostles' teaching today? I think uh, one of the major challenges. Uh, both in outside the church and inside the church, is uh, a, a culture of distraction and consumption. I think it's just part of our culture today. Distraction and consumption, a passivity that our culture gives us. There is a, there's a great book by uh, Neil Postman called uh, Amusing Ourselves to Death. Never read it. Highly encourage you to check it out. And in, in there... Um, that's good. I, uh, uh, amuse ourselves to death. So, um, in there, Postman talks about these two different authors in the first part of the 20th century. He talks about George Orwell and uh, Dulles Huxley. And, com- and both of them were worried about the future. And he compares and contrasts their concerns about the future. Uh, concerns about way freedom will be taken from people. And let me, there's going to be a long quote. Let me just read it to you. It's contrasting these two authors' concerns about the future. Orwell, he wrote 1984. Huxley wrote Brave New World, if you've read either of those books. Uh, Postman says this, What Orwell feared was those who would ban books. What Huxley feared was that there would be no reason to ban a book, for there would be no one who wanted to read one. Orwell feared those who would deprive us of information. Huxley feared those who would give us so much that we would be reduced to passivity and egoism. Orwell feared that the truth would be concealed from us. Huxley feared the truth would be drowned in a sea of irrelevance. Orwell feared that we would become a captive culture. Huxley feared we would become a trivial culture, preoccupied with some equivalent of the feelies, the orgy-porgy, and the centrifugal bubble puppy. (laughs) And if you've read Brave New World, that'll make some more sense to you. (laughs) 
And then he goes on, Huxley Postman says, didn't fear a totalitarian regime as much as the day people, listen to this, he feared the day people came to love their oppression, to adore the technologies that undo their capacities to think. To adore the technologies that undo their capacities to think. I believe one of the challenges is living in a culture of distraction and consumption where we no longer become active engagers uh, with the apostles' teaching. We become passive. And I think that's both outside the church and I think it also gets into the church. It, we, we, we live in this, this cultural water and it gets into us. It seeps in. And the, the word that I would, when this kind of cult, when this seeps into the church, the word I would give it is religitainment. Our North American church culture at times edges towards religitainment. What is religitainment? This is religitainment. Can you see that? There's a, that's, that's funny. There's a dinosaur breathing fire. There's a tiger jumping over a Bible. That, yeah, fireworks in the sky, right? Religitainment. That we go, that often in churches today, that there's this danger that we, it's kind of this passive consumption of religious goods and services and no longer an active devotion to the apostles' teaching. So that many of the largest churches in North America today are centered around one human, charismatic, entertaining personality. And, I, and a lot of them are doing, they're good people doing good ministry, but the pattern should concern us. Why is it? What is it about our culture that we're drawn towards that? Religitainment, where, we, where we, 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 we passively receive, we passively consume instead of actively engaging. So uh, we, we need to pay attention in Acts 2.42. It doesn't, it doesn't say they were devoted to the apostles and their entertaining teaching. They were devoted to the teaching. They were devoted to the teaching. They were devoted to the story of Jesus. That's what they're devoted to. And it happened to come through these messengers. Their devotion was to the teaching, the content, the story of Jesus, and what God was doing to rescue the world, not the human personality of the apostles. And I, we, we all, this, I do this too. We all do this. We slip into it. And so all sorts of times I have asked the question of people, um, I've said, well, how was, the, how was the sermon today? How'd the speaker do today? But you know what I rarely ask people? How'd you do listening today? How did you do reflecting on the scripture this week? And so my default setting is to sit back and critique the teaching, the, 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 the presentation but rarely to think, how'd you do listening today? How did you do as a listener? How did you do reflecting on this this week? How did you do engaging with the teaching this week? And I believe it's got this, this default setting of passive consumption over active engagement. I think those are challenges in our world today. We have to start by naming them. So, if all this is true, where do we go from here? How do we live this? How do we live into this here and now? Just make a few comments about what this might look like here and now. One, I believe it starts with, it's got to start with our hearts. It's got to start with our heart. Because otherwise it can just become a new legalism, right? A new set of rules to follow. And that's not what we desire. It's got to start with our hearts of saying, uh, Jesus, uh, I, 
yeah, there's, uh, there's all these other things I'm more devoted to. Jesus, would you, I'm, I don't want that. I want to turn around from that, but I need your help, Jesus. Jesus, would you create new desires in my heart? I open myself up to your spirit. It's got to start with our heart. It's got to start with small steps that it can't be, Jesus, I'm sorry, so I'm going to memorize the Bible this week. I'll be, yeah, by Friday. No, it's, what's the next step for you? And that's, that's why I, that's what this, these are about, these notebooks. that I would challenge us, I mean, just, I'd invite you to, let, for the next year, just try actively engaging. Bring this, take notes, journal in it, write the scriptures down on Sunday morning, uh, write prayers as, as you hear teaching, and then take it uh, to your small group, to your core. This is, what I was, this is what I was thinking about. These are my questions. Take it on, in your morning reflection time, your evening reflection time, to look over it again. What does it mean to live this out? There would be people who actively engage in this. That's, and, the, and the reason I wanted to do this on a Sunday morning is that we could do it, uh, we do it together, we support one another in it. That if we're going to live into this, that we wouldn't feel like we're doing it on our own, but we're doing it together. It starts with our heart, small steps, and we do it together. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. So the way we're going to wrap up now is... Uh, I'm going to tell a story, and after I'm done with the story, there's going to be two questions on the screen, and I'll just give you, uh, the band will come back up and give you a few moments to reflect on those questions, and if you'd like to write the questions down to remember later this week, or even just to begin to answer those questions for yourself. So story, two questions, reflection time. Good? All right. Imagine, if you will, imagine uh, France the 1920s. There's a family there, mom, dad, son, and uh, the father, he loves music. He has this very attuned ear to music. He can tell, he can hear the softest tone, he can pick out rhythm and melodies, uh, the differences uh, in, in, uh, in harmony and the different notes. I mean, he's just very attuned to it. And uh, when, when radios start becoming affordable, this family is one of the early adopters. They get a radio. There's only like two or three stations in France at the time, but they wanted a radio. And so it became a family tradition. On Sunday afternoons, the family would gather around the radio, and then they, and they would listen. They'd listen to classical music, and they would enjoy this, this uh, new technology together. Over time... Um, as they got used to this, the father in particular, his, his, his hearing was so sensitive, they began, if it was staticky, he would say, okay, no, we need to find a different station, too staticky today. Or sometimes they would find a station that was, um, it was very clear, uh, but, the, but the performance of the music, it was, he wasn't satisfied with it. And he'd say, just done for today, just turn it off. Or sometimes, you know, they just have these three stations, the three options. Sometimes they'd spend the whole afternoon going from one station to the next station to the next station, trying to get the right combination of no static and good performance, and, um, and they just spin around there. Well, the son grows up, and uh, the son um, moves out. He becomes a young adult, and in, uh, in 1940, Germany invades France, and the son finds himself to be part of the French resistance movement. Uh, he gets assigned to a group that needs a wireless operator, and, uh, and they find that the son has inherited the father's same uh, ability to, to distinguish tones and notes, to hear even the softest sounds. And so the son, they don't have very good technology, very good wireless unit, but the son, he's on a wireless unit, and uh, they find that he's just, he excels at it. 
And so oftentimes, no one else in the city would be able to pick up these coded messages because it was critical these groups could communicate. And the son, he would be down there, and, uh, and the, it would just be static, just... And he would just be carefully listening. And through the static, he would be able to pick out that message when no one else in the city was able to. He'd pick it up, and he'd write it down. And then he would rebroadcast it to the other groups in the city. And he, his ability to hear through the noise, through the static, it ended up being a critical component in the French resistance movement holding up against the Germans. He or she who has ears, let them hear. Let's pray. Jesus, we believe um, not only did you speak 2,000 years ago, but by your presence you speak here and now this morning. Would you speak to us now? We need to hear from you. We need it for our lives. And so we open our hearts to you again. In your name, amen.